You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. Uh, today's episode is all about shame and breaking that shame. And since there's no shame in my game, um, I have a little a story, a little dating update that I'm going to be giving um, because this week uh, it, it's a bit of a sausage fest in studio. Um, and so I have a lot of guys that are here to talk about their experience. And I want to get, since I have guys in and I'm, you know, talking a lot about, I'm, I'm opening up about my dating life and kind of taking you on this journey with me this season. I wanted to get their thoughts on my most recent experience because I... I guess I'll just okay. So let me tell you. Let me let me introduce yeah, them, and I'll spill, give you the whole story. The okay, so first, let me introduce. I have Stoss back on the show. He was on uh, earlier this season. Um, what did we talk? Oh, we had we brought in a dating coach, and we tried to teach you how to date. Yeah, I think it's going very well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are you getting married soon? Yeah, almost around the corner. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, and then I also have Doctor Adi Jaffe. 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 Doctor Adi Jaffe. I don't know why I fucked that up this time. I got it right last time. It's all good. I'm. Uh, we're really close to Mexico, and then they would absolutely pronounce it Hafe. Hafe. So well, I'm, I, I'm good with it. <laughs> okay. Last time you were on, we had Sophie, and you guys kind of shared your story. We talked about the podcast for sure. So now we have you back in because now you're like you're you're an expert. You're my addiction expert this uh, week. I love it. I'll be your addiction expert anytime. <laughs> that you said that very. Um, with a very like sexy tone to it. I mean, you already talked about you set the scene for the <laughs> for the show already. Okay, so real quickly, let me break down this story. So uh, we met on Tinder. You know, we're all great love story start. Um, instantly made plans to go out for drinks. You know, because like I'd like to be efficient. I don't like to do a lot of like back and forth, which we learned on the episode is like you have to get to the point. Yep. So we made um, made plan to grab drinks the following week. He even picked a place. We picked a time. He sent me a calendar invite. Like, wow. Super efficient. Did it have a location? It had a location. It had a location. The craziest it? thing was he sent me a calendar invite via text, which I've never had before. Like, I've nice. gotten them via email, but, like, he sent it via text where he's like, you just click this and hit add to your calendar. And, like, the address was there. The time, like, everything was there. It was awesome. So I was always, I was like, okay, I'm into it. Uh, we agreed at going out for happy hour at 530 because I had a taping that night at 8. So that would have given us enough time to like have a date, maybe a good long day and still have time to make it to the studio. That's a nice recording. Happy hour before you work. Yeah. I well, love it. Yeah. It was, I'd love to drink before I go into the studio. Really gets me going. Um, <laughs> so the day of, I text him that morning. I was like, hey, looking forward to seeing you tonight. You know, just to confirm that we were still on. He said, yeah. Um, so basically I get there right on time at 530. I text him like I'm here. I'm sitting, you know, on this side of the room. And then he texts me back and he's like, oh, my God, I got the time wrong. He's like, I'm so sorry. I thought it was 730, not 530. And I'm like, but you sent me the fucking calendar invite. Like, how did you fuck this up? And he's just like, I'm so sorry. Like, here, like, buy it. Like, I'll pay for your drink. Like, he's I was like, no, it's fine. I'm leaving. And he's like, I'll be there. He's like, give me 20 minutes. And he rushed over and he actually showed up. Oh, and he I'm... came. He bought two rounds of drinks. Like, we... Um, so my taping was originally at eight, but that morning it got moved up to seven. So our time frame was much, much shorter. He got wow. to like a little after six. Um, so we had maybe about 30, 40 minutes to kind of like talk. It, it was actually great. We had a great time. Um, and then he insisted on driving me to the studio cause I Uber everywhere. Um, and he was like persistent on making sure that he did that to make up for being late. So I allowed him to do that. We left. He ends up grabbing my hand, um, wants to hold my hand, like opens the door for me. Like we have a great conversation. We get there. Uh, we ended up kissing twice. 
And then, like, 10 minutes after, he texts me, told me he had such a great time. Like, things are going great, right? Okay. So then I get through my taping. I get out a little after 9. Yeah, it was 7 to 9. So I got out a little after 9. I, I finally responded to him. I was like, yeah, I had a great time, too. Let me know when you're available next. Or, or I said, when are, you ne- when are you free next to go out again? Because he had expressed wanting to go on a second and even a third date when we were having drinks earlier. So I was like, okay, tell me when you're free. Radio silence. <sighs> Days. Literally until Sunday and late at night, I get a text back where he's responded and he's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I've been so sick. I, you know, I I didn't have time to, you know, I've basically just been in bed the past few days and I haven't really been responding to anybody. And I'm like, it took you days to like... Like, everybody has their phone on them 24-7. Like, it doesn't take, like, an hour, maybe, but, like, four days. I was like... And I'm sick. It wasn't like... Yeah. I broke my back and I've been in the hospital, hospital. in traction Yeah, there wasn't, like, a days. real... Yeah, no. I had Ebola. Like, there wasn't... There was nothing like that happening. So, so we started texting a little bit back and forth. I was like, okay, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. It sounds like a total bullshit excuse, but I'll give you the benefit Did of the doubt. Did you say that to him, though? Uh, sort of. Okay. Sort of. Not in those exact words. I try to be a little more delicate. Um, and and then now we're back to the same thing. Where, like, he takes, like, 24 hours to respond to me. And I'm like, what is... Like, why even respond to me? You're making me so happy I'm a married man right now. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> Fuck. Dating sucks. It's awful. It always sucked. Do you make anybody wait that long before you text them back? How I, often... I'm always on point with texting back. Yeah. Because when I, when I, like... I know people check their phone all the time. They're always on Instagram. So mm-hmm. when they don't respond right away, like it just drives me mad because I know they saw my text and it takes like 10 seconds to respond. Well, that was the thing too, is he has the red thing on his iPhone. So you can see when he read what time he reads it. Mm-hmm. He didn't even read my text message mm-hmm. until that Sunday night when he responded. Yeah, yeah. Or he didn't open it. Can I, can I just say something? Yeah. Unless this guy is a, a well-worn networker or like executive... The fact that he is so good at sending calendar invites through text for people yeah. and explaining how they do it, already right off the bat, to be like, yo, why are you so good at this? How, yeah. how many people are you going on dates with every week to to know what I already don't know about the texting well, of, of the invite? Well, he's into technology. Like, that's what his, his, he's like studying to be an engineer and he like works in tech and stuff. Yeah. So, look, he's it's easy with that. This is so easy for me to say because. Yeah. Say. I'm married with three kids, so yeah. I'm so out of the game, it's not even funny. Yeah. But my sense is always, if you've got red flags right at the beginning of a relationship, it's done. But, like, it went so well that I'm just like, what went wrong? Like, you text me, you drove, like, you, like, I, like, it didn't make any fucking sense. I get it. But then. Like, me, I didn't even fuck him, like, literally. <laughs> to, to, <laughs> me, to me, literally, the next conversation is like, hey, I'm feeling weird about this. This is the last time I'm having this conversation in this yeah. relationship. This feels weird to me. I don't. I don't. Don't want to date somebody who takes four days to yeah. respond back to me. If that's your thing, that's all good. Go yeah. do your thing. It's just not going to be bullshit. here. Yeah. And just let me know, and I'm good. And give people. I don't believe in three strikes. It's like one time. This yeah. is the one time we have this conversation. And if you if it's not, then it's just not meant to be, and it's good, and it'll save you a headache. Yeah. And something that I'm working on right now is um, eliminating expectations because I have okay. a lot of expectations for people. And it's always disappointing because people can't really be how you expect them to be. You know, they're yeah. their own people. So I just lately I decided to let go of any expectations and just be, you know, let let them be how they are. Let them take their time responding. But 
I no longer it's let it affect me. <laughs> <laughs> but as long as you don't let it affect you in a negative way where you get irritated and frustrated, I think then you're able to focus on your things. And then when the time comes for you guys to reconnect again, you do it. And at least like it gives you peace of mind to be able to do your own thing and not like get the negative energy affect you, your, your efficiency and your work. That's fair. Much easier said than done, though. Yeah, why are you still fucking single? (laughs) Transcendental meditation. Exactly. I practice that as well. There you go. Okay, so let's... Now that... So basically, I'm cutting it loose. Or or I'll I'll do what you... Yeah, I'll be like, look. Yeah, I'll be like, up front, this is... I think it's bullshit. And like, look, I don't have time to be, you know, whatever. I'll, you're right. I should have Bring a conversation. Bring on a podcast. Yeah. We'll just fry him here. You know, just I did that. I did, <laughs> I did that the episode, but the last, yeah, at the top of this season, I literally invited guys that I had dated before onto the show to find out what went wrong and why oh, it didn't awesome. go anywhere. I love that. It was actually great. William loved it. Were you here for that? You were, no, you weren't here for that episode. Mike was here. Um, yeah, that was, it was a fun episode. That's fun. There's a, I think there's actually a podcast called like conversation with people who hate me. And I always love that concept. Like, so why, why aren't we friends? I think think that's really cool because most of us run away from those conversations. Yes. So now I want to talk about um, addiction. Now, you are an addiction specialist, right? Sure. I would, yeah, I would, you're an addiction specialist to me. So that's what we'll define you as today. And you have a book coming out? I do. It's called The Abstinence Myth. I actually think it'll be out by the time this episode airs. Awesome. So it's, where's it? I mean, the pre sale is in a couple of weeks. So it'll be. It'll be available at least for that. Okay. We'll and put a uh, link in the description. Yeah. And if you go to the abstinencemyth.com, you'll see everything about it. Okay. So talk to me about addiction and kind of how I want to kind of define the terms. Hold on. Let's answer that, William. I want to loop in Allie into this conversation. Oh, I think it's up top. That Behind the announcement. Other right. side. Top other side. Right. Other side. Top right. Okay. Hi, Ellie. Hello, hello. Hi. So I'm sitting here with uh, Dr. Adi Jaffe and Stas. Hey, Ellie. Hello, everyone. Hey, Ellie. How you doing? I'm very good. How are you? I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this should be fun. We're excited to have you. So right now I have Dr. Um, Dr. Jaffe, who's kind of explaining to me what he sees as addiction. He's an addiction spe- specialist. So we're kind of opening up the conversation with getting his perspective on addiction, shame, and labels. And then we're going to get into Stas' story and introduce you. Okay, great. Um, I, I think it's important for me to preface this with the fact that my perception of addiction has changed a lot yeah. over the years. And yes. so... I went from having my own addiction struggles, which started out with sex, uh, with drugs, where that was the thing that I was aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew what it was. I knew that I was addicted to drugs and I was using them a lot. I wasn't really, you know, every couple of months I would try to stop or slow down. It wouldn't really work and I'd keep going. Uh, and then I got arrested and we talked about that story last time mm-hmm. I was here and uh, and did some time in jail and then went to AA and in a very traditional kind of sense, that, well, rehab first and then AA in the very traditional way of looking at addiction and also treating it. Um when I moved outside of that and started to study addiction, it was very much the biological model. So the addiction is a disease, it's a long-term chronic disease, et cetera, et cetera, and everything that goes along with that. When I went to UCLA and studied neuroscience specifically, that was almost exclusively the way we talked about it. 
And then I got out and started doing my own research, looked at why aren't people getting help because there's a ridiculous statistic that about 10 to 12% of people who struggle with addiction actually go get treatment for it. And it's the only quote unquote disease that that's true for, you know, for okay. things like depression, uh, it's somewhere more like the 70% for things like cancer and diabetes, it's like 80% of people who get diagnosed with a condition get treatment. But for addiction, it's like 10 to 12%. And so I started doing research on why that is. And that's when issues like shame, logistics, like the cost of treatment and things like that, uh, how difficult it is to go to treatment. Like you have to leave your life behind for 30 to 60 to 90 days. Yeah. Um, and abstinence came up. And that's when the first time that I started really questioning my concept of what addiction is and how we're treating it. And because I'd been through it myself, I'd been through really traditional routes. And I know also that the way I live now is not at all the way it's prescribed traditionally. So I'm not abstinent. I, uh, I drink socially. It hasn't been a problem at all for now 12 years. And I, but I've been meth free, which was my drug of choice for 15 years. Um, and I know we'll talk about some of this a little bit later, but you know, I also realized that even though I got rid of my drug addiction, sex addiction is the thing that it was called when I discovered it Okay. With, with, with serial cheating. That's the stuff that we talked about with Sophie and like online sex accounts and all this stuff. Um, but I now consider it just an intimacy disorder. I just, it, I don't even think that it was sex addiction per se. It was, I didn't really know how to have a real relationship. Um, especially one that lasted for a while, especially one that was really intimate and connected. And then when it came to sex, I had no idea how to deal with it because I learned from, about sex from porn. And so I thought sex was what happened in porn in the same kind of way that every once in a while you hear about a kid who jumps off a building because they think Superman is real. Yeah. Um, and then they realize you can't fly. I didn't know that about porn. Like I just, in my mind, that was the the goal was what they were doing in the movies. And so I tried to kind of live that in my life. And that just didn't work out because guess what? That's not real life. Right. So my my perception has really, really changed over time. But the role of shame that you brought up and the reason it's important is because at every one of those moments, the thing that was holding me away and out of getting help was me not having the wherewithal, the ability to see that if I could just talk to somebody about it, already half of the problem would go away. Yeah. And that's the intention of having this conversation and having all of you guys here today is really to break down that barrier. Because I feel like when it comes to sex addiction, when it comes to porn addiction, you know, I, myself, I've, I, I think I talk, talked about this on the adulting podcast. I struggled. I had an issue with food and I actually went into a four week treatment program for bulimia. And I, you know, that was tough for me because that's very much a female um, issue. And so being in there, I was surrounded by nothing but other, but women. And that was an ego hit for me. And I feel like as men, it's not being talked about enough or it's being put down and shamed. And it's not something that people um, are willing to kind of own. And I feel like in order to move forward and heal, you need to kind of own that side. Yeah. Yeah. So Stas, do you want to talk about kind of your, D touched on his, but do you want to talk about your issues with addiction? Uh, yeah, mine is uh, pornography. And uh, it took me actually a long time to realize that I was addicted to it because most of my friends, you know, like guys get together like, hey, man, you watch porn. Oh, yeah, I love watching porn. But nobody so really nice. recognizes it as, uh, you know, as, a, as an addiction. And then I started actually uh, realizing how much time I spend watching porn and then that I just I can't stop like once the process begins it almost like it it drags me into this dark tunnel where I'm watching myself from the side just seeing you know how 
I'm just watching it. I'm not able to click, you know, stop and, and just close the page. I'm clicking to the next video and the next video and then 40 minutes go by and I'm realizing like I could have been so efficient doing something else, but right. it just gets out of my hand. Like as, as, as soon as I have some free time, you know, I, I watch porn because it's so accessible, you know, and a lot of it is because I guess maybe – you know, like a porn kind of corrupts your mind and introduces new sexual fantasies that you can only find in porn, you know, so you can't really like replicate them in real life unless like you maybe, I don't know, like a member of swinger clubs and all kinds of stuff like that. But if you're just a, a regular guy in a regular relationship, most likely if you need to satisfy those cravings, you have to go back to porn and create this, this huge dependency. So, um, you know, and I once I realized that that I have this addiction, I tried various methods. You know, like maybe breathing. You know, right before I start watching porn, so maybe I can clear my mind and be like, hey, I don't really need to do this, or or understanding how it affects my relationship. But it just it got really like it was very very strong. Like I, I'm I'm pretty good with addictions. I do drugs recreationally, but I never got carried away with that. Um, you know, I, I would do like sugar cleansing and not do any sweets for two months and never break that promise. I would do alcohol free for three or four months, never break that promise. Porn couldn't last more than a week. You know, so I realized like, wow, that's something that completely has taken over me. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I I'm kind of follow the spiritual path and I, and I, you know, I do energy work. So this is, to me, it's easier to understand it from that perspective, sure. and that's when I reached out to to Ali, and uh, you know, Ali and I would work um, on some of the other stuff, and I finally brought up to her like, hey, you know, I also had this. It was actually last question of our session. I'm like, hey, there's this small thing <laughs> I wanted to bring up, you know, like um, I think I'm addicted to porn. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up extending our session by like another 40 minutes because she was able to. Uh, jump into it and see from from her perspective from the energy perspective of what could have been happening to me that made me so so weak and not you know able to overcome and since since our session actually so much stuff has cleared mm. up like i can't say i'm completely porn free but yeah. uh, maybe like in the past three weeks i watched it like once or twice and the times that i did watch it it was an actual like voluntary experience like i made a choice okay i'm gonna watch porn i'm not gonna feel guilty about it right now and it was great yeah. and i don't did need to do it, it again your iCal? <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes, I, an appointment. I, that I, I send him a text to <laughs> oh, you send him a text in <laughs> yeah but but to me I, I i wanted to see if um um, you know, for people maybe that traditional approach or some other approaches don't work for them, like maybe hearing Ali's perspective of how it could be affecting you on energy level. Yeah, that would I be like awesome. having all three of you guys here today because I feel like the approach is not the traditional approach. You know, you really um, and what I guess I want to before we jump to you, Ali, I want to ask you, Adi, what do you think are like some of the biggest issues that people face when between the 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 bridge from addiction to recovery. Well, I mean, Stas, you talked about a thing when you've been working with Ali for a while. You, I don't know how long ago it was that you realized that you were using porn and were unable to stop yourself when you wanted to, which is one of the big signs. Um, but one of the big shifts was being able to say that to her. And at the end of a session, because you've thought about it before. Yeah. You know you thought about it. You never told me that, but a few sessions ahead of time, maybe it was a, a couple of months or whatever, yeah. you had the thought in your head. You're like, I w no. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. The act of saying it released some shame in you right off the bat. And fortunately, you had somebody that you loved working with who was able to receive that well 
and not shame you, which is a huge problem for a lot of people mm -hmm. because they say something like that. And the response is, they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why, why are you a porn addict? What, why are you a deviant? Yeah. And then you retreat even harder or they downplay it. Like your guy friends who say it's not an addiction. It's good. Normal. Don't worry yeah. about it. And either way gets you right back into where you were before. But it sounds like Ali was able to receive that. And for me, that drop in shame is one of the first releases for somebody. And that by itself probably would have helped. But whatever Ali did after that helped you feel even more accepted, more received and release in some other ways, the things that have been holding you back from changing that behavior in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is Ali Hunger, who we have on the line. Hi, Ali. Hi. Hi. And so, Ali, you're an um, energy healer, correct? Yeah, I'm an energy healer and clairvoyant. I've been trained as a clairvoyant um, and doing readings that way for about uh, 13 years. Wow. And, yeah, and I'm also a psychic teacher. So, um, and I... I've been listening to what you're saying and um, I totally agree is like, basically I work with energy. So when I do energy work, the first, when I teach a class, actually, the first thing I say is, Hey, let's get on the same page. What if everything is energy? What if everything, every moment, every piece of furniture, every family member, every holiday, every time, every part of the earth, every part of the universe has energy. And it's a little overwhelming, but it also simplifies things a lot when you just think, oh, okay, so I injured myself or I have this problem or I have this success and how did, you know, how do I recreate it? Well, let's look at the energy. And the great thing about clairvoyance I've found, which I didn't always know, but I found in the past 15 years or so, um, it's helped me is looking at the energy can help. Um, and it's exactly what you were saying with the shame or just like kind of say, being able to say it, being able to look at it is huge. So everything is energy in my mind, in my, you know, like in my worldview, energies get mixed up. And sometimes they get mixed up out of violence. Sometimes they get mixed out of uh, mixed up out of love. Sometimes they just, you know, it's just energy wants to move and they get mixed up and that's great. And that sometimes it's not. And sometimes it is. And you can heal that. So, so how long did you work with Stoss before you guys dove deep into that issue for him? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? How long did you guys work together? You and Stoss? I think it was the first reading that uh, we oh, wow. talked about the porn addiction. Actually, I'm I'm kind of approachable once you get to know my reading style, <laughs> <laughs> and I and I was I was uh, you know I was like oh wow like people don't usually ask these deep and painful questions. Yeah. right away so what but, did that work consist of you got like how did you work on that issue for him specifically doing energy work i looked at the energy i looked at the color i looked at the picture i went in and i found the resistance what i was looking at was the big huge massive wound or pain that he was somehow at some point probably in the past, 
I mean, I don't actually even remember what the exact picture is because I blow things up after I do. I'm kind of not, it's best not to keep them around me. But what I do is I look at the energy. And once you take a look at the energy, once you're seen, that is actually can be the healing. It can just drop away. It's neutralized because you're not giving it that tension anymore, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that makes, I think that makes a lot of sense. Does addiction often come from pain? Well, you know, or is so, it yeah. more of like I, a physical? Well, so this is, I mean, to me, this is the issue with the traditional view of addiction. I think I would say addiction almost always comes from a discomfort of some sort okay. that is being addressed. Um, you can call it pain. Um, people, people are born with biological systems that are uncomfortable and they need to address them. You know, people who are prone to anxiety or depression and things of that nature from a purely biological standpoint. But then people have, I mean, Ali, the way you, you're from your kind of vantage point, I would assume it would like, it, there's environmental energy too, that you take on as you walk in and out of different environments. And I would look at the psychology of that. It sounds like Ali would look at the energy components of that, but that changes. It ch I, I just actually talked to somebody today on our weekly chat on my course where, um, when she was, goes in and out of a specific type of job, her drug addiction goes up or down. And she was able to totally see that today when we talked about it. But up to now, she had thought of herself as just an addict. And part of the point for me is I don't even think addiction is one thing. Addiction is this morphing, morphing sort of experience that depending on your biological, environmental, spiritual, and psychological way of being in that moment it can exacerbate itself and be really terrifying and, and scary, or it can be really mild and mellow where you almost kind of forget that it's there. And so I don't, I don't think it has to be one thing. And it sounds like by addressing some of these energy issues, um, Stas is finding himself in a place where just, he's still engaging in the behavior, which is what they always tell you an addict can't do, Right. but it's just not that big of a problem. And you're comfortable enough to accept it, which makes it less of a problem. Absolutely. So Sus, would you consider yourself, quote unquote, in recovery or recovered from your addiction? Is that like the right term to use? Um, I don't know if it's the right term, but I definitely feel uh, liberated. Yeah. You know, I don't feel like chained up and, and it doesn't happen to me that 40 minutes go by. You know? anymore. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. owe me anymore. And it's like just the idea itself. It's so liberating. It's just like whole so much weight fell off my shoulders. And, and now you know, I, I can make the choice to watch porn if I want to, because right. I, I think there's still something to it, you know, in terms of like fantasizing, in terms of providing content that may be not available in regular life, you know. Yeah. So I, I know I'll still go back to it once in a while, but I'm not going to be a slave to it anymore. Yeah. And I think that what I like, Adi, is how you really focus on not um, or, or don't put the focus on abstinence. Yeah. Because that's, I think, where we feel what is it like a FOMO effect where like you, you feel like you can't have it. So you want it even more. So first of all, there's definitely um, a psychological effect where we want things that we don't have access to more and we value them. We literally think that they are better if we can't have them, but even listen to Stas' story, yes, right? Greener. You consider what you're going through right now is a victory. Yeah. But if I all of a sudden decided to say that, well, if you're still using porn, it's not a victory. You're still an addict that's acting out. All of a sudden, I just turned your victory into a failure. Yeah. And you seem to be doing okay with it. And once we give people permission to define what their success is, then if somebody goes from watching porn, I mean, I have clients with, with this with drinking, but let's say you go from watching porn 
three times a day, every day of the week, to one time a day, three times a week. Why isn't that a good thing? Yeah. Right? Why is it that because you haven't reached full abstinence, we somehow look at it as a black or white yeah. picture? Still see it as an issue. I'm a big supporter of um, gradual improvement for sure. And Stas, I think I think Ali's work did. I mean, it, from your experience and testimony, I think it really was transformative for you. Ali, where can people go to learn more about your energy work? They can go to my website, which is alihunger.com, A-L-I-Hunger.com. I love that. Thank you so much for calling in and, and chatting with us about it. And thank, well, thank you, you Stas, for, for sharing me. your story. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And thank you, Ali, for liberating me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you liberated yourself. All healing is self-healing. It just took me to look at it. Absolutely. Awesome. So to close out the show, I want to kind of get each of your, um, like just kind of the closing message that you want people to take away from this conversation. I mean, I wish we had so much more time to really dive into it. Um, but part of breaking down that barrier is first having the conversation and letting people know that it's okay to have these types of, uh, discussions with people. Yeah. I so, mean, I think to me that, that is the closing message is Stas, you found Ali and you found somebody that you could share your pain with and that helped you resolve it through her work um for anybody listening who's struggling with anything whether it's porn drinking shopping food bulimia whatever your thing is find somebody find a support network that you can rely on and be honest about the actual struggles you're going through and you'll see that as soon as you can let that go and not try to hold on to whatever you're protecting with it part of the problem already goes away and you can start finding a solution i love that and, and i think uh um uh, what What's important, even a step before, to realize that you actually do have an addiction is to watch yourself, you know, to be mindful and aware. Mm -hmm. You know, it really helped me to, you know, when I meditate, I'm able to see myself from the side and I'm able to, like, analyze what goes through my mind, what goes, you know, inside of me. And so just paying attention to to, to yourself, you can actually see your issues and kind of you know, work on them and, yeah. and realize if they're hurting you or maybe that's, you know, it's nothing. Absolutely. Thank you guys for listening. Adi, where can people go to follow you and learn more about your work? Um, so if you want to see what Sophie and I are doing, you go to ignited.com. Um, it'll have everything from the addiction to the couple stuff that we're doing, etc. And I'll keep all the news there. I love it. And Ali, once again, your website is... AllieHunger.com. A-L-I-Hunger.com. I love it. Thank you, everybody, for joining me in the studio. Um, thank you guys for listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. You can listen to us every Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a good review because I like good reviews. And to keep up with me, you can follow me at Just Plain Zach. Stas, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, you can follow my travels on uh, my Instagram, Stas Travels. At S-T-A-S travels fast travels all right and all these links will be in the description below so you don't have to you don't have to worry i already did the work for you um and until then i'm gonna keep uh harassing stas <laughs> all right i'll talk to you later bye
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.